So we'll start with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Sitanam Om Namo Aryadiyanam Om Namo Ujjayanam Namo Loe Savasahunam Eso Panchanamokaro Sauva Pava Pranasano Mangalalancha Salvesim Paramam Havai Mangalam Paramam Havai Mangalam Thank you everyone for coming. I know I got to get you out of here early for the language showcase, so just let me know when we're out of time. 11.15, I think. So, the season of temptation is here, right? We're all going to end Dad's class. We're not going to be thinking about it every week. There's going to be sweets in the office. There's going to be pressure to spend money on your loved ones. There's going to be pressure to have an extra drink or two or an extra helping. Uh, that's what we're all looking forward to. Um, so I thought we could take this time to discuss how to avoid that temptation. And the first question is why? Why should we resist any of the things that I mentioned? Why is it a problem to get in the holiday spirit? Why, why should we resist the temptation to have an extra suite that comes to the office or um, have an extra helping at when we all get together with family? If you don't believe, if you think that it's not important, if you think that it's fine, I want to hear that too. More greed. Yeah, the more greed against our basic philosophy, right? Go against your, uh, uh, the more and more you want, the more and more you commit to your, um, I don't know how to explain, but become more and more greedy. Uh, yeah. Part uh, of it. For, uh, uh, you know, further to that, isn't it going against our Aparigraha principle? Mm -hmm. You know, like non-attachment, don't necessarily go for pleasures, worldly pleasures. Right. Just but it's only this time of year, right? It's all, those things only happen this time. They don't happen other times, so it's not like I'm getting addicted to having more calories right. because in January, those sweets aren't going to be in the right. office. So I'm not going to eat them. So it's like an exception so why is to it a, the rule. So why is it a problem then? Well, then, in going back in New Year, you might go, I, I in that... I'm still in that holiday spirit. I right. might continue eating more, right. buying by myself and doing it. Right. So then you not controlling your body, mind, and soul, and then you there is a point you know you you off the cliff. Right. And then you you could let that temptation become your lifestyle because nothing happened to you in December, so nothing's going to happen to you in January. Well, there's a couple things wrong with giving in to these temptations. First, they're not in line with our goals, and we should be always working towards our goals. If, we're not, if they're not in line with our goals, um, and we give in to these temptations, then what we are doing is we are allowing ourselves to be ruled by other things other than our goals. And we should want ourselves to be ruled by 
our goals and ourselves that we set. And that means that someone else is controlling your life, right? Um, and second, they, when you give in to these kind of temptations, we're talking about holiday temptations. When you give in to um, you know, an extra drink or two or an extra meal or an extra sweet at the office, uh, they indicate a, a hole inside you that you are filling with something else. And I know how kind of absurd that sounds, right? You're probably saying, Demir, if someone brings cupcakes to the office and I have a cupcake, there's no like hole inside of me that I'm trying to fill with this cupcake. But I'm telling you that there is. Because if you give in to that temptation, that means that you already weren't regulating yourself, which includes um, having sweets if you like sweets, you weren't already living your best life. Because when you're living your best life, you don't let other things push you off that. And so what I mean by that is, well, let's say um, you have a diet that you're sticking to, and that diet should include things like sweets occasionally. Because it's important that you give yourself that so you can maintain a diet, because that's your lifestyle, right? So now, if, you, if you're not above, if you think, if all it takes for you to have a cupcake is someone to bring it into the office, well, you're not on that diet. Um, uh, it's easy to push you off that, right? And that means that something's wrong. Why is it easy to push you off that? It might be that it's too restrictive for you. You can't make that lifestyle change. It might be that um, different things are going on in your life. And it's probably that it's not in the forefront of your mind like it should be, like all of our goals should be. And that's something that mindfulness can help with. So if you have, I think it's easy to see like um, people that are addicted, right, are filling holes in themselves because there's something wrong with them. If you're addicted to smoking or if you're addicted to drinking, then it's easy to kind of see like, oh, he's using that as a crutch or for something going on wrong with his life. But it's harder to see like, well, this is a temporary thing. I don't understand why uh, spending money on my loved ones indicates that there's something wrong with me. But actually there is. That's the level we're talking about. Because you all are good people. You're not addicted to anything. You don't have problems of infidelity or something like that. We're talking about minor things that uh, can throw you off your goals. So questions about that? Is it a question of wrong or is it a question of discipline? So I had, I wrestled with this for a long time. I couldn't understand, people talked about a difference between discipline and motivation. And for the longest time, I thought they were the same thing. Like, oh, if you're motivated, like, you're just disciplined. But now I realize what people are talking about. And it's a question of mindset. So let's use the uh, example of exercise. Let's say you have an exercise plan. And the difference between discipline and motivation is, Discipline is the default is, I'm sticking to this, um, if the plan is four days a week, I'm doing this four days a week, no matter what. There has to be something, some catastrophe that's going on for me not to do this exercise for 30 minutes, four days a week. If you're just relying on motivation, your mindset is, well, I will, you know, if everything goes right, then I'm going to opt into exercising instead of opting out of not exercising. I'm, everything has to be going exactly right for me to feel like I'm going to exercise today. If, I, if there's one thing that goes wrong, you know, 
If I'm feeling just a little bit tired, that's going to throw me off. I'm not going to do that. That's what people talk about when they talk about different people being um, motivated or disciplined. And we want to be disciplined. Because another, an easy way to remember it is that when you're disciplined, your uh, discipline is habits. That is, you are following your habits. That's discipline. Motivation means you're doing something extraordinary. It's taking something extraordinary in your life for you to exercise. Not that it's a habit to, oh, it's Tuesday, I got to do it. That's discipline. Motivation is, uh, oh, it's Tuesday, and but something happened, you know, I got into a fight with this person, and I just don't feel like it, and I'm not doing it. You're relying on being motivated. You're not relying on your habits. So discipline is the answer. But here it's not somewhere, right? Sure. <coughs> Absolutely. So if you start with motivation, then you can be disciplined. No. You have to start with discipline. You have to start with habits. Uh, if you start with motivation, you'll keep on trying to uh, go that route. But you have to create habits. And you have to start with discipline. But tell you, a lot of people, when they do with kids, they give them a motivation Hopefully it becomes a habit. You try to give a kid a habit, they won't they right. hardly do it. And so we are in our, right. I'm not saying everyone does now, but uh -huh. we give kids a, hey, we'll give you this if you do this. And right. hopefully they can do that routine and make it a habit. Oh, okay. So Was that your question? Okay. I don't think he's questioning, but he's saying that. I yeah. think that the... Yeah, you reward yourself for creating the habit, yeah. and pretty soon the rewards stop because now you realize the... Uh, beneficial nature of what your habit was, the habit you were trying to form, and now you rely on discipline. Okay, I understand that. Definitely. So, um, so now that we answered the question of why, so does everybody agree that these temp it's wrong to give in to these temporary temptations of the holiday? I don't know if I agree with it's wrong. That was my question, discipline uh -huh. versus wrong. Motivation is a different, I okay. think, mm -hmm. a, a different element, but yeah, discipline is always good. Uh -huh. But I don't know if it is wrong to... Give yourself a one cup so, cake. So is it, uh -huh. the way I look at it, you could be still disciplined and, and, and indulge in these things. So, for example, you... During the holiday season, there are more parties, there are more gatherings that you go to. You don't necessarily would eat more or have a more have a have more drink. It's just that there are more social gatherings. Right. So you could still be you could still be consuming the same amount of food and alcohol as you would do in February. Mm -hmm. It's just that there are just more opportunities to do it. So. Should you limit the number of parties you go to? Is that is that the question? Or I'm not sure what... It's just more opportunities. You could still be disciplined, you could still be doing the same, consuming the same thing. So. Right, so if you're eating and drinking the same amount as you would uh, regardless, then you're not letting those opportunities throw you off your goals. It depends what your goals are. Is going to these uh, more gatherings pushing you off your goal of um, excelling at work, pushing you off your goal of meditating every day. Depends what your goals are, right? 
So if it's a problem, if it's affecting your goals, then it is wrong. Yes, I would agree with that. Right. I would agree with that. Right. And that's what we're talking about. Because all of us have different goals. I can't pretend to know what all of your goals are. We're talking uh, in general, you know, in, in general, uh, how to stay, how to resist giving in to temptation depending on your goals. So I thought that we would go through some ideas. Um, now that we all know it's wrong, and we all know that we're not going to let somebody else's agenda push us off our own goals, I thought before <coughs> we... There is a time when you're above it all, when, not, when you're... Um, core, your core focus on your goals is unshakable, but before that, we can use tips and tricks to help us um, reduce this kind of short-term pleasure. The first is to distract yourself. So when you're at a party or when you're um, faced with something that's going to push you off your goals, uh, you distract yourself. Instead of going to the bar with the food, you go talk with somebody. Instead of um, going, instead of having that extra drink, you um, go outside and get a breath of fresh air, right? So the first is to distract yourself. The second tip and trick you can do is to delay your decision. So let me tell you, your brain is dumb. Okay, your brain is really, really dumb. And I'll give you a personal example of how dumb my brain is. So once I was lifting weights and I was supposed to do 10 reps, right? Now, when I do reps, like most people, I count the number in my head. So as I complete each one, I say the number one, two, three, like that in my head. So, well, I failed on the eighth repetition. So I couldn't get to 10. And then I said, well, you know, let me try hacking my brain. So immediately on the next set, I was able to do 10. And how did I do it? Well, I chunked my mental counting into two sets of five. So rather than counting five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I counted five, one, two, three, four, five. And I was able to complete ten, which shouldn't have been possible after I just failed on eight. And immediately I should have been more tired and should have failed on six or seven. But I was able to do ten very easily because I tricked my brain into thinking I was doing five there at the end. Okay, and that's how dumb your brain is, is that these chunking processes work. Another great example of chunking is with prescriptions. So doctors are always trying to get their patients to complete the course of their prescriptions, right? Um, because people start to feel better and then they don't take the last seven days. You know, they're like, I'm better, I'm fine, I'm cured. I don't need this medicine anymore, right? But doctors always want you to complete it, right? So what doctors have, what pharmacies have started doing now is they do chunking too. They take the same pill and they color them differently. So if your prescription is for 14 days, they'll divide it by, or let's say 21 days, it's easily divisible by three. They'll divide it by three. And either the color of the pill changes or more likely the color of the box, the little packaging changes. So they'll give you seven red, seven green, and seven blue. And they call that chunking. And it's all the same medicine. But they have found that uh, compliance with filling, with going the whole time of the prescription has increased. Why? Because your brain is really, really dumb. Because you feel like, oh yeah, seven, I got red. I finished red, now I'm on green. 
And then you keep going. And then you're like, oh, not too much. I got green, you know. Well, I can do green. And then finally you're like, oh, blue, I'm in the home stretch. Okay, let me do blue every day. And that's increased compliance. So you can hack your own brain by delaying your decision. Let's say somebody uh, brings dessert into a party. You can say, oh, I'll get that slice of cake in 15 minutes. And in 15 minutes you'll say, oh, yeah, it's 15 minutes later. I'm going to get it in 15 minutes. And it will work. Because your brain is dumb and it will believe what you're telling it that, oh, I'm, I will get, I'm going to get it in 15 minutes. And then you say, oh, I'm going to talk to this person. I'll get that slice of cake in 15 minutes. And then 45 minutes go by and the party's over. The cake is gone. So that will work. Does anybody have any examples of your brain being able to hack your brain that's worked for them? It sounds like it doesn't work, but it will work. You will fool yourself. It is easy to fool yourself. Sometimes uh, I have this craving for having some dessert or mm -hmm. some chocolate after dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I do is I say, okay, I need, I need to have at least 30 minutes break after my dinner. Right. Uh, and usually I have dinner like at 6.30 or 7 in the evening. And then once that 30 minutes is over, I tell myself it's now it's night time. So I should not be having anything. Right. And I just take water or something and then try to subside that. That's great. Craving for having some chocolate or because you know it's, it's not an every day if you try to do that. I mean every day you cannot have dessert or chocolates after meal. So that's how I try to. Right. Uh, postpone that decision and then not take it citing some other reason. So. Right. That's great. I think the same with the <clears throat> when we come up with the goal and if the goal is really stretched goal, very long duration one, mm -hmm. everybody talks about you always want to break it down in a smaller chunk. That's another example that you can achieve small things at a time and you feel accomplished to keep going. If you go for right. a run and you say I'm going to go and finish this two mile, uh -huh. instead you say I'm going to go to that next tree and then keep stretching yourself that yeah. works better yeah that's it's chunking right that's there. Chunking. <laughs> yeah. so another trick you can use is you imagine the negative consequences that is you make them real in the short term let's say um, you're tempted uh, um, let's say you're tempted to have a an extra drink or two at the party it's the end of the party and you're having a good time you're tempted to have an extra drink or two well, you can imagine, uh, you can visualize yourself getting pulled over by the cops, right? And what's the cop? Have you been drinking tonight, sir? Show me your license. And that will, if you make those negative consequences real, they are weapons you can use. Because when you're, in, when you're just thinking about the short term, um, the negative consequences are long term and they're not real in your brain. So if, the more you can make them real, the more you can uh, combat your temptations. Uh, in addition to visualizing negative consequences, you should also visualize yourself resisting the temptation. We also almost never do that. That is, we picture ourselves resisting the temptation. And here's what that does. It's another reason your brain is really, really dumb. If you picture yourself resisting the temptation, when it comes time to resist the temptation, it's easier. Why? Because you've already done it. It's easy to do something that you've already done. And the more imaginative you are, 
the more you make it real, this visualization, the easier it will be. And that's how dumb your brain is. You imagine you did something, your brain thought you did it, and now it's easier to do it again. Uh, the, another way to not give in to temptation is to give it a name and admit to yourself that it has a hold on you. That is, you admit to yourself you created a bad habit of having junk food right when you got home from work. So you just admit that to yourself and you're saying, yeah, this is a problem. Um, I'm going to, I'm having these cravings, these are bad, and I'm going to fight them. And you admit that to yourself. So. Um, a lot of times we give in to temptations because we don't want to admit there's a problem with ourselves. Another way is, of course, to practice mindfulness and keep your goals in the front of your mind. If your goals are in the front of your mind, then everything else moves to the back of your mind. Here's one that's maybe not, uh, not obvious, is that you have to sleep enough. And that if you're tired, it's easier to give in to temptations. That is, it's harder to have willpower, and it's even harder to make decisions. And all these decisions probably come at the end of the day. So if you don't sleep enough, you will give in to other people's agenda and other people's um, goals as to what they want you to do instead of furthering your own goals. And um, so that's a kind of all um, secular ways to do it. Uh, I'll, get, I'll tell you the easy way is to realize that you're a soul, which almost none of us realize. That is, if you realize you're a soul, you'll realize you don't need any of these things. You'll realize who you are, and you'll realize what the consequences of your decisions are, and you'll realize what you should be doing right now, which is meditating. So if you realize you are a soul, that's the easy way to change your actions and resist these temptations. Um, Maybe a step removed from that is to pray. Uh, remember that prayer helps us bring our goals to the forefront of our mind because they are a, a physical activity that can interrupt our, we use to interrupt our mental processes uh, to bring the realization that we are a soul to the forefront of our minds. So as you can tell, all this is kind of... Um, under the umbrella of mindfulness, which you guys are tired of hearing me talk about, which we've been talking about all semester. Questions on any of that? We kind of went through eight or nine tips and tricks that we can use to resist temptation. What if it's a, if it's a, it's a planned temptation? Like for I love planned temptations. I think that planned temptations are great. They're just like cheat days on your diet. And cheat days help you maintain a great diet. And if you have a planned temptation, I encourage you to give into it. Because you're controlling it. If, because if you plan the temptation, you're like, I planned this, my wife is driving, I'm going to do this, and I cleared my schedule for tomorrow, I'm going to have two extra drinks, my wife is driving, I cleared my, I took care of all my responsibilities for the morning, I encourage it. But at some point, we'll get rid of those when we're far enough along the path. Then we'll get rid of those planned temptations. One thing to do is to manage your stress levels. Just like when you don't get enough sleep, if you're stressed out, you give in to temptation. And one of the most unfair outcomes in the world is that the people who have very little stress live longer. 
That is, not only are their lives easier because they're stress-free, they get to live more of that easy life. Um, and less diseases to boot. Um, so rich people live longer than poor people. Uh, people in the majority live longer than minorities in a country. And women live longer than men. And Why so do rich people live longer than poor people? Less stress. It's not in every case, okay? It's generality. There are some rich people that are very stressed, and they die of heart attacks. But I'm talking about over a large enough population. So if you manage your stress levels, it will help you not give in to temptation. So I know we only have a couple minutes left, so I wanted to talk to you about the four R's. And we'll go through an example. Uh, the four R's are help you get rid of temptation and they are relabeling, reframing, refocusing, <coughs> and revaluing. And so let's go through just an example to, to show how the four R's can help you. So the example here is uh, if you have a craving for chocolate, okay? So you relabel that craving. Um, so instead of saying I want to have a piece of chocolate you're saying you're relabeling that feeling you're getting by saying this is a craving it's not that I want it it's that this is a craving that's affecting me so do you see how that's a relabel it's not that I want something and I am suppressing that want it's that an external agent is acting upon me and I'm fighting that external agent and that's all the difference in the world, this kind of relabeling, because that will give you the paradigm shift to change your actions. Step two, reframing. You reframe the experience by reminding yourself of the physical processes that your brain is generating the desire for chocolate and you are not your brain, right? Um, it could be that you're bored, it could be that you're fatigued, it could be that you're stressed, but those are all, you're not your body, those are not you. You reframe the interaction to the truth. Step three is you refocus. Um, after you've relabeled and reframed the interaction, you move your attention towards your goals that are at the forefront of your mind. That is, you busy doing your, you busy yourself with doing something in furtherance of your goal, whether that's meditation, physical exercise, working, uh, working on your relationships, or working at your job. That you refocus, you go on a walk, you call a friend, you do a project. That is, once you have relabeled and reframed, now it's time to move your attention to something else. And step four, you revalue. That is, you do a little victory dance uh, when you have accomplished your goal because your brain is going to get addicted to something and you wanted to get addicted to the furtherance of your goals rather than to the giving in of external temptation. That is, you revalue and you reward yourself for winning the battle, winning the battle of that interaction. So questions on that? Can you talk about the relabel thing again? I right. We lost me on that one. Yeah. So relabeling is 
in the example, you relabel the experience that you're having instead of saying, I want that chocolate. See, that means you already lost. Because if you're saying, I want that chocolate, you're saying that I am suppressing some internal part of me by not doing that. And we all know that doesn't work. If you try to suppress who you are, you're going to be going through a lot of pain, okay? And that pain will make you uh, not further your goals. That pain, that pain will make you lose the interaction with that feeling. So you relabel the feeling to the truth. It's not that I want that chocolate. It is that these external enemies uh, want me to have that chocolate. And that's relabeling. I, what I want is I want not to eat that chocolate. But my brain is working against me, my body is working against me, and I see the interaction correctly and I relabel. So instead of instead of saying, oh, it's a temptation I have, you say, it's not my fault, it's somebody, it's an external force? That's right. You have to remove the I from the equation. And you have to realize that you are not your thoughts. That is, the, thought that's, the thoughts that go on in your head are not originated by you, who you are, who I am. They're originated, uh, they, there are a lot of thoughts that go on all the time that are originated by your subconscious. But you choose which thoughts to pay attention to. That could, that's uh, kind of uh, ignoring the reality, isn't it? I mean, you could use that for so many things. Absolutely. It's not just food. I mean, anything your subconscious yeah. always knows what's right and wrong. Right, so what is wrong, you just divert no, that. No, your subconscious, I have to disagree with you there. Your subconscious doesn't know what's right or wrong. Here's, I'll give you an example. If you walk by a bridge, if you're walking over a bridge, and there's someone next to it looking over, okay, you might say to yourself, I wonder what would happen if I push that person over the bridge. Now here's, here's where it, two different outcomes, depending on if you realize that you are not your thoughts. If you don't realize that you are not your thoughts, then you start having all of these guilty feelings. What kind of person am I that would think that? What does that say about me that I had these thoughts? There's something wrong with me that I need to work on because I thought about pushing that person over the bridge. I had never done that. I would never do that. I would never act on that thought, but there must be something wrong with me. That's the wrong way to look at it. Here's the right way to look at it, the second outcome. You think to yourself, my brain is so ridiculous, I am not choosing to pay attention to that thought. That thought did not originate with me. I am going to move on my way. That's the correct way to look at it because a lot of us have these kind of thoughts. Because if you see someone bending over, bending over a bridge, you might just say, what would happen if I push on him? Your brain is crazy, your brain is ridiculous. You, are, you choose which thoughts to pay attention to. You don't originate those thoughts. That's the correct way to look at it. No, Tim, you did originate the thought. Your subconscious, your subconscious I mean, I, I originates. Agree with that. At a subconscious level, uh -huh. you know. Your subconscious won't. You're, you're have not that your thought. brain. You're not your brain. You are your soul. Maybe. At any given time, we have millions of thoughts going around, right? The only but they thing. They are our thoughts, right? Well, that's part of the thoughts, right? That they are ongoing thoughts based on whatever happened in the past. And you have right now, you might be thinking on other things too, but you're paying attention to this discussion. That's your decision 
to act on it or work on. You have so many other things going on in our brain all the time. Yes, but all your experiences in the past decides, like, controls your subconscious thoughts also, right? I mean, your subconscious depends on your past experiences and their surroundings, right? That's how you think. And then if, and it's not applying to the food, what you're discussing just today, it applies to everything. Because if your experience says, oh, uh, eating non-vegetarian is fine, your subconscious would not think that's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. But because I've been with an experience that non-veg is not right, my subconscious says, okay, even if it's out there, sitting there, and it's very tempting, I'm not going to eat it because my subconscious says that's wrong. So this applies to everything where if my subconscious says something's wrong and because that's still tempting to me, that's where I need to relabel it to say, okay, that's even though it's tempting and I'm... But I'm, that's, my, that's your conscious decision. Yeah, at right? that point... Exactly. That's you relabel it, you, you that's go, your get away from decision. the... You have both in your subconscious mind, you have both items there. Is it good, tempting? or I'm not going to eat it. But your subconscious right. so controls you what is right or wrong. But you choose yeah, which exactly. one you are going to pick. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Go with your subconscious because your mind or your brain says, okay, that looks tempting to me. I should go for that. But then your subconscious controls that. And it's easier to do that when you relabel it, as you said, all those R's. I, I think it's easier to do that when, when you do that. So it's right. not just food. So, everything it's a good example of negative one is like when I tell my kid you eat chocolate regularly uh -huh. and they come back and tell me no I eat occasionally it's just the occasion comes frequently <laughs> 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 so that's it's like relabeling but in the wrong way right? <laughs> well, so, uh, the point I was trying to make is you can yes the thought of pushing somebody is a bad thought, but it is still your thought, and you, you, you can't dis or disassociate with that thought, saying it's somebody else's. It's necessary for you to disassociate with your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You are a soul. Uh, these thoughts, you do, you are not the originator of any of the thoughts in your head. And I encourage you. I know we don't have a lot of time. We have to get to the language showcase. We have, do you know how to get to the archives? The, our yeah. discussion archives? We have, a di we have a discussion where we discuss this for an hour. It's called, you are not your thoughts. This is the exact question that you have. And I encourage you on your way home to listen to that. All right. Thank you everybody for coming today. Thank you. And I'm happy to discuss it with you later too. Sure, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm